Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, excited for today. And we do, and uh, I'm going to pray again one more time. I might pray two more times. Hopefully you're okay with that. Uh, but we're probably going to pray one more time. And uh, we do just want to acknowledge, um, as the video did say, um, that it is Memorial Day tomorrow. If you did not know that, most of you probably do, but it is Memorial Day. And so we do want to take just a time just to thank um, all of our servicemen and women and our veterans and, um, and uh, just to take some moments to remember even um, those that have fallen and those that have given their lives for our freedom and for um, our ability to live in this country and experience all the goodness that God is giving us here in this place. And so uh, make sure that today uh, we have many in our, uh, uh, in our service that are serving. We may have many that are even gone um, that are serving themselves. We have Ron Cole and we have Dan Wilson that are out in deployment right now. And uh, we've got many that are here today, some that are traveling. And uh, so we just want to make sure that we encourage each one of them. You know what? We're going to pray for them right now. Actually, let's do that. All right. So if you're in service, would you please stand up? Uh, if you serve in the military, um, please stand up in any way, form, or fashion, or if you have, I don't know what just happened, or if you have, uh, if you have at some point in any way, if you please stand, and uh, we just want to um, pray for you guys, and just um, thank you for what you're doing, and just remember those um, that have served before you, so God, we thank you again that we get to come to you, and that we get to worship you, and that we get to see how you use each one of our gifts and that you call each one of us to different areas of life in different ways and different functions to do your will. And so, God, we just take a moment and we do, we remember those that have given their lives for ours. And, God, we thank you for them and we thank you for the sacrifice that they've given. We thank you for the sacrifice that their families have given. God, we pray, Lord, that we not take it in vain, that we not take it lightly that we realize the freedom that we have is not just something that we should relish in in luxury, but God, that we should use to help quickly advance your kingdom. And so God, I thank you for that. God, for the men and women that are standing today that are serving you currently, God, I pray that you be with them and protect them. God, that your hand will be on them. God, for those members that are, that are on deployment now, God, be with them, protect them. God, I pray, Lord, that you help them to stand boldly for you God, that you will use them in a powerful way. God, I pray that you bless their families, encourage their families. God, because they're giving and they're serving just as much. So God, be with them. Help them to find joy in the opportunity that you've given them. God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. Thank you guys so much. Let's give them a hand. Make sure you shake their hand. Give them a high five. Give them a hug. Kiss them on the neck because that would be awkward and fun. All right. Good stuff. Well, hey, uh, so we're going to be continuing in Acts today, and uh, we're going to be um, going through Acts chapter 8, verse 11, or 8, <laughs> Acts chapter 8. We're just going to go ahead and just jump through a whole chapter. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11 is where we're going to be at this morning. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles there, it would be fantastic for you to do so. I'm going to do so in my continually falling apart Bible here. My Bible's just been falling apart, and then it, my daughter sped it along this week as she poured an entire cup of coffee on it. So now it smells good. It's nothing like the mixture of a Bible page and coffee. It's a good smell. So cute, though, when it happened. She just, all of a sudden, I just heard this, just wailing. I mean, it wasn't just like a, I mean, she was like distraught. 
right, just distraught. I came around the corner red in the face, just big old crocodile tears just rolling down her cheeks, you know, and she's just like just completely beside herself. And she, she, I come around the corner, and she's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what happened? I didn't mean it. <laughs> and I was just like, what are you talking about, Rylan? And she's like, I know how much you love it. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't want to ruin it. And I'm like, what is going on? And then Brain's like, she spilled your coffee all over your Bible. And I was like, oh. And so I picked her up and held her as a baby. It's just a Bible. It's just a Bible. We can get another one. And I was like, you know what? You just made it that much more special, right? And uh, so she calmed down, and she smiled, and it was a fun moment, but it was just so funny, you know? And uh, so, but then we just, I did want to talk to her, you know, how did it happen? You know, like, what took place, you know what I'm saying, uh, for this to kind of happen? Because, you know, it would be great to, you know, not have this happen again in the future, right? And uh, so we want to learn from our mistakes. Daddy's not mad, but, you know, second time, that's going to be a different story, you know what I'm saying? And so, so how did this thing happen? So she starts sharing her story, and then Brain's is like, that's not how it happened, <laughs> you know, as brothers do, right? And um, she's like, uh-huh, that's how it happened. He's like, no, it's not, you know, and then they start just going back and forth, and between the two of them, we were able to figure out the story of how it actually happened, right? And come to find out he had just as much a part in it as she did, right? And he had no, reward, no remorse, right? And so he got punished. But um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but isn't it funny how that happens, right? As we're going through and, and we start sharing stories and talking about experiences that we've had and just things that have taken place in our lives um, that we go through, we talk about them. Sometimes when we can, even something that we've experienced and something that we've been there and saw with our own eyes that we can start saying and, and communicating things and, and uh, you're sharing a story and it's just like, oh, that's so cool or that's crazy or oh my gosh, that's so horrible, whatever the story might be. You're going through and you're just like, yep, that's how it happened, right? But isn't it isn't crazy when you've got somebody there with you that saw the same thing, right? How they can help you out, right? How they can help you out. Now, a real friend, they help you out when they just walk away together and you're just like, hey, just so you know, the crocodile didn't really bite his arm off, right? <laughs> right? It just kind of swam by him, you know? So that's a big deal. Next time they see Bob and he has both arms, they're going to think you're a liar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, you know, you got the friend and, uh, you know, you got the friend that is in the middle of the story. They just interrupt your story every, no, nope, that's not how it happened. Remember? It wasn't even a crocodile, right? It was just a lizard, right? <laughs> you know? And they start, and you're just like, okay, fine. Would you just tell the story, right? Have you ever been there with somebody like that, right? You're just like, yeah. And uh, I, I'm just going to, yeah, okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story. Because I'm thinking of a story with not a crocodile, but an alligator that I wanted to share with you guys. And I was like, not going to, but I can't help it now because it's just such a good story. All right, so here's the deal. So I was in Alabama on spring break with a friend of mine. We were down the Gulf Shores, and we are um, out there. And uh, one day we were um, out on their jet skis and boats and stuff, and we were tubing. And, and uh, I was attempting to water ski. Um, as Pastor Fred can attest to, I'm excellent at that. And, um, and so... I was the same thing as I've done with him, you know, just continually trying to stand up on the skis and not able to, right, and just being dragged through the water, drinking gallons of water, losing my shorts, you know, all of the fun stuff that goes on along with that. And, uh, and so going through and trying to do all that stuff, and then so finally uh, myself and a couple others that were not able to stand up, um, uh, we just got tired, and we're just like, we can't do this anymore, and so let's do something easy, right? Let's do something that kids can do, so let's play on tubes, right? And so we started playing on the tubes, and then uh, we just said, you know what, this is a big tube. 
Let's take this thing to another level because we don't just want to be kids, right? I mean, we're men, right? We're men, so we got to do something awesome. So we decided that we'd play King of the Hill on the tubes while they're flying down, right? And so if you could throw each other off, right? Sounds like a good idea, right, guys? Right? Right? That's a lot of fun. So, yeah, so that's what we did, right? And, of course, I was the first one to fall off, which was just great for my pride, right? And so, so I got thrown off, and then they're just going on. There's still four other guys on the tube, and so we're just, I'm just like, go, go. Just keep going, you know? So I'm sitting there, and I, I got my life vest on, and I'm just floating in the river, and I'm like, oh, it's such a beautiful day, and it's so relaxing, you know, and I'm just sitting there, and the boat's just going, and then the boat gets fainter and fainter, and then I can't even hear the motor anymore, and I'm like, ah, it's all right, they'll come back for me, right? And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm floating, and just enjoying my time, and then all of a sudden, I just had this recollection of where I was, and I just looked, and I was like, wait a minute, I know exactly where I'm at right now. And it was not even 20 minutes ago that right there on that shore that we passed a giant alligator just sunbathing right there on that shore, right? And I'm just sitting there, and then everything in me just froze, right? And I went from floating peacefully and joyfully to as still and as tense as I possibly can, don't move, right? No appendages dangling down in the water, right? Just trying to be as straight as I could, and I'm just laying there, right? Just listening for this boat motor. Please come now, right? So a few more minutes go by, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just stiff as I possibly can. I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. Still don't hear the boat. Man, probably 10 minutes goes by, and I still don't hear anything, and so I'm like, Jared! Jared! <laughs> He's on a boat. He can hear me, right? So probably another five minutes go by, and he goes from Jared to Jared, <laughs> right? And then he goes to this high-pitched girl scream of Jared, <laughs> right? And it's just frequent as it possibly can, and I'm screaming, and I'm holding on to my life vest, and I'm just like, dear God, come get me now. All panic is just ensuing, right? And then they get to the boat, and they come up to the boat, right? And, uh, and, I'm, and, and or I come up to the boat, and uh, they start pulling me up, and I'm just angry, right? I mean, you could see it on my face. You see it in my eyes that I've been screaming, that I'm mad, and that I want each one of them to go through what I just went through, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking at them, and they're like, dude, what's wrong? So I start telling them. They start cracking up, right? They're just dying laughing because when the boat comes up, I'm still screaming, right? And they're just dying laughing. And I'm like, you're all jerks. I don't like you. I'm defriending you now, but please keep me on the boat so I can go back to the shore, right? And so... This whole thing happens. Well, then we get back from spring break, and Jared starts telling the story, right? And it's a totally different story, right? It's a totally different story. But it was an absolute riot just to experience that. And so all my point is to make all this is when we're sharing stories and we're telling things, there's one thing that we can say when we experienced it, when we saw it with our own eyes, and we can remember and, and, and pull to uh, our remembrance different details of the story. But when we're together with people that experienced it with us, we're able to complete a truthful story, right? An honest story. We're able to do that together and keep that in mind as we go through and we look at what's happening here with the disciples and what Jesus is doing as he's getting ready to depart. And so here in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 8, I'm going to read to you out of New Living Translation today. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. 
I mean, just think about this, right? We've been talking about the disciples, right? And they've been going through a lot, right? I mean, this is, we're talking here, you know, a good 40-day uh, span of time. And, I mean, Jesus has been appearing in rooms and disappearing, right? Jesus has risen from the dead. He's got holes in his hands, and they're, like, touching them and looking at them. They're, I mean, they're going through some crazy stuff. He was dead. Now he's not. He was gone. Now he's here. He, he's eating food with us. Like, this is crazy. Uh, we don't know what all is going on. And then Jesus talks to him and says some challenging words to him, starts speaking to them and says, hey, you know, this thing I've been talking about the, holy time, the whole time, the Holy Spirit coming and this promise, you know, it's, it's happening now. And when it happens, you're going to go and you're going to go to the ends of the earth. And they're just like, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden Jesus just floats into the air and then two men appear in white robes and they're like, this is a lot to take in right now. <laughs> Right? It's a lot to take in right now. This is a crazy experience. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Wouldn't you be? <laughs> right? I mean, you just go through all this and you're just going to be like, huh. Yeah, they're looking too. Wow, this is happening. Right? <laughs> they're just staring into heaven. Are you guys awake this morning? You sure? You promise? Just not that funny? Okay, good. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. God, we just pray over the next few minutes as we jump into your scripture that you will speak to us and uh, open our hearts and our eyes to what you have for us. Lord, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So as we look at this scripture and look what's going on here, last week we walked through um, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8a, and we didn't get to 8b. And the big thing that we pulled out of that verse and those scriptures there is that Jesus is, these are Jesus' last words. And he's aware of how big the moment is, and we talked about how our last words with people, they're, they're impacting, right? They're impacting for good or they're impacting for bad. And if we're aware of and we know that it's the last moment, some of the words that we could share can be absolutely powerful. You think of people that have been on their deathbeds and they share something with a family member or they give a blessing to their family members or they do something that they know that they're moments away from death and they speak certain words and people cling to those for the rest of their life. Our last words have meaning, they have weight, and so these are Jesus' last words, and he speaks them specifically. They're not just some words that he just randomly throws out there, oh yeah, hey, I got this idea. He knows what the moment is and how big it is, and so he speaks to them, and he gives them a promise before he gives them the command, and it shows that he's a caring God who loves us, that he knows what he's asking of us, but before he even gets us to the place of saying, this is what you're going to have to do, and here's what it's going to cost you, that he gives us a promise that he's going to be with us, and that he's going to give us the ability to do that. And it shows that he's a caring God and that he's a loving God. And it shows us that he's a God who wants us to live our life aware of him and to live our life a specific way. And so when we talked about it, when you look at verse 6 and 7, that Jesus uses last words to reorient their understanding, that they were looking for a specific understand. They were looking for a specific display of his kingdom and a specific way that it was going to happen. They wanted the kingdom of God to look a certain way and happen at a certain time. They were looking for a political moment to happen, an action of power that was going to get rid of Rome and make Jerusalem the kingdom they wanted it to be, and they were going to have thrones and scepters and cool crowns, right? That's what they were looking for. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't get caught up in that I've been speaking to you and teaching 
We've been walking together for three years, and I've been telling you, this stuff that's in front of you, that desire that you have in that type of kingdom, it's meaningless. It can only give you so much hope. It can only give you so much security. But man, when you get caught up in the kingdom that I am here for, the one that I've already started to bring in, the one that's here but not quite yet, man, when you get caught up in that kingdom and you live for that kingdom, man, everything's totally different. So he reorients our understanding, and then he gives us a promise before he gives us a command. And so now we jump into the command, and Jesus used, this is my first point for today, Jesus used his last words to commission. He used his last words to commission. If you look at the Greek of this word, it's martus. And it means to be a witness. It means to be a witness in a legal sense, a historical sense. One, is, one who is a spectator of anything. And then it goes on to say this. Definition 1C1 says this, those who after his example have proved the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. That's a fun definition, isn't it? Jesus is speaking to them. This is martus is the word that we get the word martyr from. When Jesus is speaking to them, they're fully aware of the weight of the word that he speaks to them. That when he says you're going to be my witnesses, it doesn't mean that you're going to occasionally tell somebody about me and the things that happened. But you're going to be my witnesses, meaning that you are going to live your life out. Showing, telling, testifying, speaking, exemplifying what you saw really happened. And it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. You're going to be my witnesses. So when Jesus is speaking to them, they're fully aware of the weight of what he's saying to them. And he gives them that command after he gave them the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to take everything. But I want you to know that you're not going to be walking in it alone. You're not going to be walking in it alone. You're not going to be by yourself. You're not going to be out somewhere just trying to do things and figuring out way things to work. You're going to be with someone who's going to help you. Who's going to comfort you? Who's going to be your advocate? Who's going to be one that's going to help you to say the things that you need to say in the moments when you don't know when to, what to say? That's going to happen. And since that's going to happen, you now have something you have to do with that. You're going to have a promise. Now you have to have a command. And so he goes through and he begins to speak to them about what it is to be a witness. And, and Martin Lloyd-Jones is a uh, pastor um, in the 19. 40s and, and lived to, uh, into the 1960s, and a great theologian and an author. And Martin Lloyd-Jones, he talks about, uh, he was reading one day a newspaper article, and it was a political article, and, and the, the guy that was writing the paper was making the difference and stating about a case that was going on about somebody that was advocating for a cause and then the witnesses that they called to the stand. And so Martin Lloyd-Jones was pulled from that, and he said, man, what is the difference for us as a Christian to be an advocate versus a witness? What is the difference? And so Martin Luther Jones, he writes this. He says, you can be an advocate of Christianity without being a Christian. You can be an advocate of these things without experiencing them. If you have intelligence, if you've been rightly trained, you can understand the scripture in a sense. And you can lay them out before others. You can present all the arguments. You can put the case for a kind of Christian philosophy. And it may sound wonderful. But you may be standing outside of the true experience of it the whole time. 
You may be talking about something which you do not really know, about someone you have never met. You're an advocate, perhaps even a brilliant advocate. But know what the Lord said to the apostles. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. And listen, the difference is, and we've been talking about this ever since we started the series, is that Jesus' life and power is not just to be admired, but to be experienced. But to be experienced. Man, when you're a witness of something, when you saw it firsthand, when you were a part of something, and you were wrapped up in the story, and all the details were unfolding around you, and it has an impact on you, that story means something. It means something to you, and when you share it and you communicate it from the basis of experience as an eyewitness, your testimony has way more weight than somebody who has hear, heard of your story. Yeah, that's good. You can be standing up for something and be a, have a belief in it. You could stand up and to be an advocate for it. I care about this, and you can put in whatever the social issue is. But when you're somebody who's experienced a social injustice, and then you stand up for that cause, it means something so much more when you share it. You guys tracking with me? And so when you're a witness, you're somebody who's experienced what happened, and you're sharing of your experience. It's a totally different way of living out our lives. And honestly, as I go through and I look at my own life, I have fallen more on the side of advocate than I've fallen on the side of witness. And honestly, as I've been preparing for this, and as I even knew that we're getting into this, there's a side of me that as a pastor, I say, hey, I want our church to grow, and I want people to share their faith in Christ, and I want, I want this place to be whatever God wants it to be, but I know that he wants people here to experience it. And so I, 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 I'm approaching this sermon with this idea in this heart, and then as I'm going through it, I'm looking at it, and I'm just saying, you know what, I'm trying to be an advocate of the life that God's called us to live. When he's saying you should be a witness of the life that he's called you to live. That you have known it and seen it and you've experienced it yourself. And you're not just saying, hey, this is what we should do. But you're saying, this is what I do because this is what he did. And this is how we're supposed to do it. And here's what scripture says. And then we know that we're not doing it alone because there's people beside us doing it as well. That we see them living their life out for Christ, and we see them living with boldness, and we see them living with tenacity, and we see them living just with this unabandoned mindset of saying, it's not about this world, but it's about his kingdom, and I don't care about anything else. You want my house? Take it. You want this? Take it. I don't care. I'm going to live for you. Man, when he's got us living next to people like that, we're able to live the life that he wants us to live. But even in isolation, even if I was to not be in this for whatever reason, I was to be abandoned on an island somehow, which I don't even know how that would happen, but if I was, right, I wouldn't be alone. Because he gave us a promise before he gave us the command. And his promise was that he would send the Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is with us. His Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us, and to show us, and to, to testify of who Jesus is and how we've experienced him. To open our eyes to the things that have taken place in our own lives. That we could share that. Listen, for us as the church today, for us as individuals to be a witness. We are to tell of the reality. We talked about last week that there's a core to Christianity. That Jesus lived, that Jesus died, and that Jesus rose from the grave. And then he ascended to heaven and he's coming back again. The core of Christianity is, is that Jesus Christ is real. 
that he was a man who lived a perfect life and that he died a sinner's death so that we wouldn't have to die that death. And then he rose from the dead so that we could live the life that we don't deserve and gave us that life which he did have. And that he is not even done there, but then gives us a future hope of being with him forever. That's the core of Christianity. Jesus is life. Jesus lived, and he died, and he rose from the dead, and he ascended to heaven. And we've got Luke writing Acts, having talked to men who saw this happen. I saw it with my eyes. I saw it with my eyes, and their testimony of what happened, their testimony of the experience moved a physician so much that he changed his life, that he gave his life to the gospel, that he traveled the world documenting as a, as a, a journalist going through and just saying, I'm going to find out how this happens. I'm going to be an investigative journalist, and I'm going to talk to everybody. I can. I'm going to write two books. I'm going to chronologically write out the history of what happened, and it's going to be so just It's so changing and so just incredible for him that he can't help but share it. And he lives his life to the, death of, to the age of 84 when he dies, still preaching that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, and he rose from the grave. And then he went to heaven. Their witness of what happened was so real to them, and they communicated with such power and authenticity that it changed him. And you go through Acts, and you see this in each and every person's life. And so we look at our own lives and we look at this call. It's for us to share our experience in God. To share the truth that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave, and then he ascended to heaven. You're like, but I wasn't there. I didn't see it happen. If you don't remember, I was born recently, right? How can I be an eyewitness to that? We can be an eyewitness in two ways. One, this thing's true or it's not. This thing is written, even specifically this book is written by somebody who talked to people who were eyewitnesses. That this thing has been the most vetted book, it's been the most discussed book, it's been the most researched book, it's been the most debated book, and still is the most influential, impacting, and dis- I don't even know the next word I was going to use there, book that exists, coffee-infused book that exists today. This thing's life-changing. When people read this book, they get enraged by it. When people read this book, they get encouraged by it. When people read this book, they get dissatisfied with their life. When people read this book, they get completely satisfied with the life that God has for them. This book is true and it's life changing. And there's people who testify to what happened and what took place. And it's our job to say, listen, this thing is true and God speaks through it. And he has lived a life. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life and he died the death that we deserved so that we could have life. And he rose from the dead breaking the curse of sin and death so that we could have life. And he ascended to heaven so that we could one day be with him forever. This is true. And when I read this thing, it's not, just page, it's not just words on a page. It's not just something that I get excited about. My little daughter doesn't get all upset because it's just another book in my collection, right? She gets upset because she knows what this thing means. She sees my eyes in it, and she sees this thing when I read it that it makes me different. 
That there's moments where I'm sitting there and I'm not doing well, right? Leading them as a father, leading them as a leading my wife as a husband, and then I'm in a moment I get caught up in my own distractions, my own anger, and I can pull away and I read this thing and I come back a different person. And that's the second way. Listen, God is real and God is alive. Because Jesus lived and because he died and because he rose from the dead and because he ascended to heaven, his word says that he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Man, we are to experience God every single day. I can tell you this, that I can be a witness that this thing is true because it changed my life. The truth of this book has changed my life. The man who was before January 17th, 1999, and the man who is here today is a totally different person. I was changed literally in a moment. I can look at that moment and see the things that have taken place in my life, and I can see that it wasn't just a one-time thing, but that as I get older and the longer I live for God and the more that I chase after him, the more different I become. I experience God on a regular basis. I see God changing me. I see him working in me. I see him doing things in me that could not be done by me. I tried on my own. And the more I tried on my own, the more discouraged I got, the more frustrated I got, the more distant from people that I loved I got, the more frustrated I got with what I could do or couldn't do. I was a miserable person the more I tried and the more I can let go and say, God, you're real and you're speaking to me. My life has changed. I can be a witness to that. I can speak to it. I can share what God has done in my life. When I connect with people and talk with people who know me, they can see it as well. Listen, we are to share our faith and we are to talk about who Jesus Christ is. That he is God and he lived, he died, and he rose again for you and for me. We're to be witnesses of that. No matter what the cost is, no matter what the circumstances are, we are to be his witnesses. And I love as you read this, it says, in, as you go on through the verse there, you'll be my witnesses telling, me, telling about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I love how it's written because in one, it gives a method. It gives a method for how the book is written. If you go through and you look at Acts, the book is written out in Acts chapter 1 through 7, where it's primarily based in Jerusalem. And then you jump to chapter 8, and it's in Judea. You go to chapter 13, and you see Samaria. And then when you see us ending the book in Acts chapter 28, you see Paul in Rome. Paul is in Rome, which is the center of the earth, which everything from around the world came to and went to. Jesus says... You will be my witnesses, and this is how it's going to happen. And Acts is written out and shows us that that is how it happened. Beyond just the method of how Acts was written, it's our model. It's our model. Think about it. We're a church. We like concentric circles, right? We like circles here. If you like boxes, this might not be the place for you. We like circles, right? Circles are fun. Circles, concentric circles laid out, they, these ripples, these ripple effects. When something happens, that it spreads out and affects everything that comes in its wake. So Jesus says, we're going to start out in Jerusalem. For you and I, you're going to start out, you're going to be my witness to those that are close to you. You're going to be my witness to your family members. You're going to be my witness to those that you live with on a daily basis. 
those that you work with on a daily basis, you're going to be a witness to them. You're going to share and testify that Jesus is real. That Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. That is what you're going to be a witness to, to those that are close to you. And then as you go out and you look at it in Judea, those that are close to you, but those that are unlike you. Right? It starts getting a little bit difficult at that point, right? They're close to you. They live in your neighborhood, right? You see them hanging out at the pool, or you see them cutting their grass or whatever else, and you're just like, hey, yeah, okay, great, right? Because they live close to you. They're connected to you somehow, but they're not like you. You start talking to them, you're like, wow, she's a crazy cat lady. <laughs> I don't do well with cats. See you later, <laughs> right? Or you're hanging out with them, and you're just like, wow, are those children... Or is that the proof of the evolutionary tract, right? <laughs> These kids are not quite human, right? <laughs> I don't know if I want to be around them and have them influence my children, right? I don't know if I want to be around them. They're, they're close to me, but they're not like me. Then we continue on and we look in Samaria. They're not really that close to you, and they're not really like you. And then to the ends of the earth, they're not even close to you, and they're not even like you. That your heart, when you know who Jesus is and you've experienced him, you've waited for him, and you've just been in a place where you desire him, and on a regular basis, you're seeking him, and you're saying, God, I want your kingdom to grow. God, that's what I care about is not my kingdom, not what I can possess, not what I can get, but God, what you have for me and what you get. God, the glory that you're going to get as your kingdom advances, that's what I care about. I'm going to seek that first. And as you do that, that your heart begins to grow. That you can't help be a witness to those that are close around you. That they know who you are, what you stand for, and who it is that makes you who you are. You'll see family members start coming to you. I don't know why, and I know you're all about this Jesus thing. And I don't know why I'm coming to talk to you. But I know when bad things happen, you handle it differently than everybody else in my family. Now, I know you're probably going to tell me about God, and I'm not really interested in that, but, you know, like, there's something different about you. It's your chance to speak that I can't help but talk about God. Because Jesus lived, and he changed me. It's my experience. I know it to be true. And as you do that, your heart grows that you can't help but reach out even further. That you start giving to missions, and you start going on missions trips, and you start doing things in your community, all for the advancement of the kingdom. Because you can't help but do what he's called us to do. So it's our model. It's our method. The next thing we can see in this is that when we look at the scripture, when God says to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, he could have stopped there. But he said to the ends of the earth. Now you think about them and you think about their situation. You think about their culture and where they are and what they're experiencing. I mean, to the ends of the earth, it's not like, okay, cool, I can jump on a plane and get there in a couple hours, right? And to the ends of the earth, I mean, that's mind-blowing to them, right? That's a totally different experience. They're like, what you talking about, Jesus, right? I don't understand what you're saying to me right now, right? Listen, when Jesus is speaking to us and he says, you're going to be my witnesses, the truth of the matter is, is that we can think too small about the advancement of the gospel. We can think too small about our opportunity to witness. We can think way too small, we can think discouraging thoughts, we can think about all of these things and we can have too limited of an idea of what God could use us to do. He says to the ends of the earth, you can't think too big. 
you can't think too big for what God wants to do through you. You look at a person, you're like, there's no way they'll change. You can't think too big. I don't know how God's ever going to use me to speak to that situation. They'll never listen. You can't think too big, but you can think too small. And the difference is, is your experience of who Jesus Christ is. If you know who he is, you've experienced him, you've seen life change, he has given you his Holy Spirit, and you are a new person. You can't help but think too big. Because listen, as Christians, we can't doubt the success of his kingdom. We can't doubt it because it's going to happen no matter what takes place in this world. You can't think too big. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, it says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Listen, what Jesus did and what Jesus accomplished, God is saying it's too small of a thing just to restore Jerusalem. It's too small of a thing, but it is not too big of a thing to give the whole world to him as his glory for what he did. Jesus gave everything so that we could know life and be with him and to have a functioning, real, present, experiential life with God every day, walking with him and being with him. That is what God has done for us. We can't help but be a witness for him and we can't help but think too big for the advancement of his gospel. Secondly, and this is gonna be a quick point. So Jesus used his last words to commission Jesus used his last moment to give confidence. Jesus used his last moment to give confidence. He had spoken to them and he had shared with them on multiple occasions of what was going to take place. In John chapter 16, verse 5, he's speaking to his disciples and he says this. He says, but now I'm going away to one who has sent me. Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Remember, their mindset is still here. They're still thinking here. Jesus is still speaking to them, trying to shift their understanding, trying to shift their hearts from the things of this world, the possessions that are here, to possessing him and allowing him to possess them. So he's saying, you're not even asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away... Then I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Listen, he gives us Holy Spirit. He promised us the Holy Spirit because he cares for us. He knows who we are. He knows our fears. He knows our worries. He knows our insecurities. He knows our doubts. He knows our sins. He knows all the baggage that we carry. He knows all of the doubts that we have. He knows all of these things. Saying, listen, I'm not calling you because you're good. I'm not calling you because you're perfect. I'm not saying to be a witness because you sit there and you saw all the facts and you got everything laid out straight. I'm calling you to be my witness because you know who I am. Because you've seen what I've done and it's changed your life. I'm giving you this promise that I'm going to be with you forever. In John, it says that Jesus, gave, Jesus was talking to the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he says this. He says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. 
so that you will know that I'm with you forever. Earlier when we were talking about stories and we're talking about, oh, Sharon, this has happened in my life and I've seen this take place or whatever stories are. And when we have somebody with us who experienced it with us, that it makes it that much easier and it makes it that much more able to be true. Listen, I know we doubt and I know it's hard to witness. It's not about what we know. It's not about the facts that can make a difference in a person's life. It's not being able to convince them. It's not being able to be an advocate and stand up and make an argument. It's being able to say, I don't know how to answer all of your questions. I'm not really sure that I can speak to all of your doubts and your worries and your fears in, in a sentence and make a difference. But I can tell you this. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've encountered the living God. And he's changed my life. And I can tell you this, that when I read this thing, I know that it's not just a book. I know that it's not just fiction, that it's God himself speaking to me. And I'm just telling you this, that if you hang out with me long enough, and if you give me a chance, you're not going to see me. You're going to see, when you do see me, you're going to see that I'm pretty messed up, but you're going to see that I respond differently. You're going to see that I make just as many mistakes as you do, but you're going to see that I pull back quickly and say I'm sorry. And I promise you this, as you look at me, I hope and my prayer is that you will see Jesus. Because my experience is, is that I encountered the living God. I encountered the man who lived and died for me and rose from the grave and gave me his spirit living inside of me, as is in John, so that I can live for him. I know that to be true, and I've seen that to be true. I've experienced it to be true. And I promise you this, that God is real. And because he lived and because he died and because he rose again, there's a real question that you have to ask yourself. If that's true, and it's the most debated thing in all of the world, and he's the one guy who claims to have lived, died, and rose from the dead. You look at all the other prophets, they're still in their graves. Jesus claims to have lived, died, and rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. It's been debated since it happened, and it cannot be refuted. If it's true, even if there's a hint of truth in it, the question for you is, can you accept him as Lord? Can you look at your life and say, I'm good enough? Because when I looked at my life, I couldn't. All we have to do is to speak of Jesus. Our witness is to the experience that we have in him. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to walk along with us, that we're not alone. He's there to encourage us. He's there to give us the words we need to say in the moment that we need them. He's there to empower us, to be a witness, not just an advocate. So if the worship team will come up. Jesus is ascending to heaven. He's ascending to heaven on his own power. You look at others in scriptures that went to heaven before they died. Chariot took them up. Different experiences. Jesus ascended on his own power. He did that to give them confidence. He did that to display that he is who he said he is to be. There's no mystery left for those disciples. As they stood there staring into heaven, this 
just happened. This thing is real. We see in John chapter 16 them, Jesus saying, you're, you're discouraged, you're sad, and you're grieving because I say I'm going to leave you, but it's good that I do. You see them here in Acts. As Jesus ascends to heaven, go to the throne that God has prepared for him, ready to send his spirit. You see them staring into heaven. And as we'll see next week, walking differently. Not walking with grief and discouragement, but walking with hope and confidence. Because they experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. My question for you today, and if everybody would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want you to take a moment to look in your own heart, your own situation. Ask yourself the question, am I an advocate? Do I got a lot of facts? Do I got a lot of ideas? Do I got a lot of concepts? Do I understand the philosophy? Can I articulate Jesus well? Or is it more than that? That those things are good, that there's nothing wrong with those things. And in fact, the more that we know of who God is and we experience him, the more we desire to be even do those things well. But then in our own lives, we can look deep inside and we can see something that is beyond us. We can look and see that there was a moment where we made this vow of devotion to say, I am yours. Okay. God, through his Holy Spirit, as scripture says, opened our eyes to the reality of how messed up we were. And that we no longer tried to find hope in us or our situations or hope in anything else other than Jesus Christ. And said, so, Jesus, you are Lord, and I want to live my life for you. And that you, in that moment, you experienced something so true and real. That it's been a continuing giving gift that as you live out your life that you know and you see God active in you sure there's moments of doubt sure there's moments of discouragement sure there's moments of failure but you always land back on that Jesus is Lord and I'm his that you stand up able wanting and ready to share because of that experience that you can be a witness to the fact that Jesus has lived and Jesus has died and that Jesus rose from the grave and ascended to heaven for you. And that that truth is not just a fact that you know, but it's a life-changing experience that changed your forever. I'm just asking you today. I'm pleading with you today. My prayer this morning, as I was getting ready for this, is that none of us would be okay with being an advocate. That none of us would just accept that we've just been okay with knowing something, knowing facts and details, but that God today through his Holy Spirit would birth in us a desire to know him, to experience him. 
that we don't just admire him but that we know him and that he changes us and he shapes us and he moves us and that when he says go we say yes because that is the church that he's called us to be that is the Christian he's called us to be and I pray that today that if you don't know who he is you say I don't know if I've had that experience or not I can't ever think of a moment that I made that vow I just know that I like being at church and I know I like being around people that know Jesus and I like who that's kind of made me be but really I don't know if I'm different and if you search and you say you know what I've never given my life to Christ then as we sing the song I just ask that you reflect and say Jesus I'm yours I don't want to just admire you but I want to experience you and when you do that everything changes Let's worship.